Hello, this is Ruin Willow with the Oh, Fuck Yeah with Ruin Willow podcast. I'm excited you're here today. I love it when you come to my sex house on the airways of this podcast, talking about sex, talking about sexuality, relationships, erotica, mine and others I narrate. And today I have a guest who is very amazing, has an amazing background. You're going to love her. She has amazing things to say. But if you're under 18, baby love, it is time to leave the podcast now because this is not for you. This is for adults only. I want to thank you for coming into my podcast and I hope you enjoy this episode. It's really amazing. But first, a quick message from my sponsor. It's great to talk to yourself about some things. Just hearing your own thoughts can make them easier to process. But when it comes to developing your idea for a story or novel, two heads are better than one. And that's where I can help. In easy Zoom or Discord chats, bring me your early idea. And through Q&A and casual conversation, you will learn the depths of your characters, where your plot can go, and much more. We can mold that simple idea into a fully formed storyline while also hitting on topics such as tropes related to your idea, discussions of similar stories, and how to make your story stand out. Visit AuthorsHelpService.com for more details. That is Authors with an S. An amazing thing right now, my books, several of my books that are on Smashwords are literally free right now, and Decadent Erotica, the anthology of 10 stories, is 75% off. I will put the link to that down in the podcast notes. This is a massive sale by Smashwords, and it goes through January 1st, 2023. So you can literally get my books, some of them, for free. And I would love it if you got one, all of them, (laughs) download them, read them, review them, would really, really help me out. And hey, you get some free sexy hot content. Definitely worth it. And they have tons of books. It's a huge, ginormous book sale. Oh, fuck yeah. Let's go. Okay. Dr. Allison Ash is my guest today, aka Dr. Allie. She is a trauma-informed intimacy coach and educator, Stanford University lecturer, author, and founder of Turn On Love. That's capital T, U R N, capital O, capital N, dot love, L O V E. Links will be down in the podcast notes. As a sociologist with a PhD from Stanford, she has a comprehensive understanding of the complex societal challenges that often lead to unsatisfying and disempowering sexual experiences. She designs workshops, courses, and retreats, and offers individuals and couples coaching to give others the tools to discover their desires and confidently pursue them. Dr. Alley invites you to turn on pleasure, intimacy, and love at www.turnon.love. Okay, let's get into it. And don't forget to look down the podcast notes to find all her links. Let's go. Hello, everyone. I am like super excited, mega pumped to talk to this person. She is just out of the park. Amazing. You are just going to be so blown away. I mean, her all the things she's done, all of her credentials, she's just top-notch amazing. So, okay, let's get started. Are you ready? I'm so excited. Let's do it. I want to introduce you to Dr. Allison 
Ash. Welcome, Dr. Allie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. I'm so excited to talk with you. And you have so many things on your your docket, on your your experience, your all of that is just amazing. What I'm really, really super pumped and excited to talk with you about is how do we get out of our head and bed? And, and really, what does that mean? Like, do you even for people that are like, well, what does that really mean? Do you have a definition of what that even stands for and encompasses? Sure. Being stuck in your head is that experience of feeling kind of consumed with your thoughts. Oftentimes when you're stuck in your head during sexual encounters, it could look like performance anxiety, worrying about how you should fill in the blank, should look, should act, should, how your body should be performing, how you should smell or taste, the list just goes on. But when we're thinking about getting stuck in our head in bed, the reality is, is that sometimes we're stuck in our head around things that have nothing to do with the present moment, things like the laundry, our kids, our to-do lists. And it's very hard for a lot of people to transition from the daily grind or from their role and identity as parent or worker or whatever else it may be, and to drop into their embodied sensual Self, And when we think about the opposite of being stuck in your head, it's getting to inhabit your body and in your body is where desire lives, passion, pleasure, but also so much information around what you're wanting, your capacity and boundaries, your needs. And so learning how to get into your body and be able to understand all the signals it's giving you and make sense of it and also use your body to increase your capacity for pleasure is such an important skill that I think we're just not taught and it's not often rewarded in our driven capitalist productive oriented society. Oh absolutely and it kind of sounds like you know a little bit of anxiety is playing in this right? I mean the you know, worrying about what someone thinks about you rather than I'm going to enjoy this or I'm going to, you know, this is going to be awesome. That's right. And a lot of people feel pressure around sex and they are concerned about either making sure that their lover is pleased or that they're performing rather than experiencing the encounter. And if you're in a place of performance, it's going to be more analytical versus if you're in a place of experiencing and letting it unfold, then you're actually just more present and able to tune into the body. That makes sense. Because I teach Get Out of Your Head in Bed, which is a wonderful workshop that I offer both live as well as offer in demand for folks who just want to watch it from their own home. And I love this workshop because I give so many insights around how to implement a lot of the tools that we're talking about. And I also offer a lot more tools and we have the time to talk about today, unfortunately. And so I think that this is a great place to go if you're finding this information useful, but wanting a deeper dive. And then also I teach a workshop called How to Eat Pussy Like a Champ. And this workshop is so good for both givers and receivers, because I think that when it comes to oral sex, this is an arena where people can really get stuck in their head. Receiving can be so vulnerable and also giving oral pleasure. I mean, 
we've built this up in society to be a real indication of somebody's competency as a lover and their masculinity often in terms of heterosex. And so I think learning how to both give and receive champ quality pussy pleasure and to feel confident and comfortable doing that and to be able to co-create that experience can be so, so empowering. And I definitely talk a lot about how to get out of your head in bed in that situation as well. Well, that sounds perfect. That sounds great. I think that would be really helpful for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) both receivers and those who give. Absolutely. Great, great stuff. Totally needed. I just, so these are things that people can find. Now, is this on your Turn On Love website or how do people, how would people access these courses? That's right. If you go to turnon.love, you can find both live coming workshops that I'll either be teaching in person or be teaching virtually. Yeah. So there's so many things, like you said, that people can get stuck in their head about during sex. What are some consequences? I know you've mentioned a few, but what are some consequences other than what you've mentioned that could play out from being stuck in your head during sex? Well, oftentimes folks are enduring something that doesn't quite work for them. It doesn't feel as pleasurable as something else may be. Some sort of tweak or calibration or redirection can make the encounter much more enjoyable, but because they're stuck in their head, they don't actually have the ability to tune into that information in real time. And it detracts from their ability to co-create the experience. They're oftentimes just going with what they think it should be rather than what would feel best. So that's another consequence, I think, for people's capacity to feel pleasure. Beyond that, when we're thinking about it from an emotional lens, If I'm stuck in my head in a sexual encounter, I'm disconnected from both my own body, but also from my lover. And it can create a disconnection loop where if I'm in my head worrying about stuff, oftentimes my lover may be able to sense that. And because humans are so good at beating ourselves up, it's not uncommon for my lover to probably assume that I'm disconnected because something's wrong with them or their performance. And it may mean that they get stuck in their head and it can create this disconnection loop that can feel isolating and emotionally painful. And so when we can be more in our bodies, we actually, and, and more connected with the present moment and the unfolding, it actually allows for a deeper sense of connection and intimacy with our partner that can both feel really bonding and also lead to more pleasure. That makes sense. And, and one thing I thought of as you were talking was that, you know, if you're inside your head, how responsive are you being to how your partner is reacting? That's right. That's right. Or that there's like a, a a lag or some sort of lack of genuine expression. And, and that can be felt. There's a definite energetic difference, I have found. And I think when we're also thinking about some of the consequences of being stuck in our head in bed is it actually does impact us on a physiological level in our body. In extreme cases, it can lead to erectile dysfunction, difficulty getting an erection, maintaining an erection, coming when you want to come, not coming when you don't want to come. For people with vulvas, it can also really lead to challenges with anorgasmia, difficulty orgasming or vaginismus, painful penetration. And oftentimes these can become 
self-fulfilling prophecies, meaning the more anxious and worried you are about it happening, the more likely it is to happen. And then the more it happens, the more you get anxious about it happening. So it becomes this spiral, this loop that can be very hard to get out of and embodiment can oftentimes be the key. Right. I mean, and it kind of illustrates how actually quite fragile we are. You know what I mean? We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Spring Cleaning Champions, Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets and his drapes with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our special offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, (laughs) Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean-shaven for spring cleaning. After he uses Manscaped, you can say, "Hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawn Mower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads, one for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those smooth skin sexy slaps in the bedroom. And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. (laughs) Spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. We are tender, tender, sensitive beings. That's very true. Yeah, absolutely. That just kind of struck me. And I'm like, you know, it doesn't take much for with your, when you're with your partner, for if, if they seem distracted or whatever, for, for someone to potentially think, oh, they don't really want to do this. Or, oh, they don't want to be here with me. They don't want to do this. And then our brains go nuts. Mm-hmm. That's very, that's so true. I've experienced that myself. So what is embodiment and why is it important for getting out of our heads? That's something I wanted to touch on with you. Yeah. So I often say that we express ourselves in three languages, a language of thoughts, sensations, and emotions. And sensations and emotions come from the body and they are related. Our sensations help us understand our emotional experience and intense emotional experiences always come with sensations in the body. And when we can be embodied, meaning that we can start to notice what's happening in the body in real time on the level of sensations and emotions, we can start to understand we have far greater emotional intelligence and ability to work with our emotional experience. 
But sensations also give us information about desires and turn-ons and also turn-offs, which is equally as important. Right. (laughs) And, And sensations help us understand our yeses and our nos and navigating consent in an embodied way can be so helpful. You know, sometimes it can be very difficult to make decisions and we can get stuck in that do I want this? Do I not want this? And can be a very heady process. But if we can learn to tune into our body and really pick up on that feeling of, uh-huh, or there's a whole nother line of wisdom there for us to draw from mm-hmm. that in the noise of our head, it's too hard to discern. So embodiment kind of define that as like being in what you want, what you think you want? How would you define that exactly? Yeah, embodiment is the ability to inhabit your body and to notice the sensations and emotions that are occurring in your body in real time. So in people that are really stuck inside their heads during sex, what tips can you give for people to get out of our head while we're in bed with our lovers? What can we do? What is a mindset we can have? What are things we could think about or try to reframe our brain or think about before we get into bed with this person so that maybe we can have success? I love this question. And I think there are things that you can do when you're not having sex that can help you be more in your body when you are having a sexual encounter. And there are also things that you can do during the sexual encounter. And there are things that you can do on your own and things that you can do with your lover. And I think one of the things that's so important to name before we get into some of these tips and tricks is to acknowledge the fact that oftentimes what happens when people are stuck in their head is they try to hide that fact because they are ashamed of it or because they don't want their partner to know because they don't want them to feel bad or to feel unwanted. And so it becomes this isolating experience that feeds the disconnection we were speaking of earlier. And in If I'm stuck in my head and I don't tell my lover or my partner and I'm just trying to deal with it on my own, that can really be difficult and it can make it much harder to get out of your head in bed when you can't name the experience, the elephant in the room, because then you are now both trying to deal with whatever anxiety you're having in your head, as well as masking that you're having whatever anxiety and thoughts that you're having in your head. Right. And so I think telling your lover, hey, I'm noticing that I'm in my head right now. And offering, if if it's a new lover, some of these tips and tricks that I'm going to share with you now. Uh, and if it's a ongoing lover or partner, then both of you having this kind of menu of options. And I have to say that oftentimes if you... I find for me that if I can just name this with my partner, hey, I'm noticing I'm in my head right now, that alone uh, makes a huge difference. It shifts the energy, it shifts the dynamic. And sometimes we want to move into some of these tips or tricks, but sometimes that alone is sufficient or just slowing down and making more eye contact and having my partner ask me how touch is feeling and to really notice how different touch is living in my body is a sufficient thing to get me out of my head. That makes sense. Kind of like, I think if you name it, it kind of like reframes the experience for your partner. So your partner's like, oh, okay. Instead of assuming that it's them or that they don't really want to be there or 
some other reason that they may assign to it. It just normalizes it. <clears throat> we all get stuck mm-hmm. in our head. It's a very human experience and it's not anything that the other person may be doing or not doing. It's just a facet of being a very heady society. And so I think that if we can normalize it and be, uh, approach it from a same team mentality of, oh, no worries, I got you. Let's figure this out together. That's so deshamifying and it removes that second arrow, the Buddhist concept of double arrow. The first arrow of the wound is being stuck in your head and feeling the anxiety and not being able to feel the pleasure that you want. And then that second arrow is the shame and the guilt and the the stories and the analysis that you make up and the ways that you problematize being stuck in your head in bed. And so at least if you can remove that second arrow and make it normal and something that you two feel confident and capable of being able to navigate together and actually embracing the intimacy of that and allowing that to bring you closer makes it so much easier to just navigate the actual issue on hand, which is, hey, I'm not as embodied as I would like to be. That brings up a really good point that I hadn't thought of before. Actually naming it and calling it out and saying, hey, this is where I am actually is increases intimacy. That's right. Vulnerability is what creates intimacy, mutual shared vulnerability. And so you're inviting your lover into your inner experience in that moment. That's a gift. And hopefully you're with a lover who can receive it as a gift and requires, I think, building a little bit of trust and intimacy ahead of time. Emotional intimacy paves the way for sexual intimacy because it requires trust and vulnerability and a willingness to be emotionally naked, I think, to have some of the hottest sex because that's what allows for deeper sexual intimacy. Right. And if there's any sort of shame or anything there from your partner, that's pretty damaging. I mean, you know, how are you going to get there? That's right. And so that's why I think exploring intimacy and vulnerability before you're having sexual encounters can be really helpful, right? You can titrate vulnerability. You can escalate vulnerability slowly by sharing something vulnerable and seeing how they respond. Do they respond with empathy or do they kind of poke fun at you and and bring you down? And how they respond to you when you're vulnerable out of the bedroom will really shine a lot of light onto how they'll probably respond to you when you're vulnerable in the bedroom. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I feel like if you have any of that, you know, prior, it's really hard, unless it's been dealt with, it's really hard to ignore that and, you know, get into that intimacy and really enjoy it and expand it. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you something about masturbation. We're talking about all these things with couples and whatnot. How can you get out of your head when you're you're pleasuring yourself, when you're you're involved in a self-masturbation session? How can you do that? I mean, you're just yourself. So can one person could argue, well, you're by yourself, you should be fine. No worries, there's no one to judge you. But that's not always true. You're right. It's definitely not always true. We can be stuck in our head again about things that have nothing to do with our performance. And if you do have challenges with anorgasmia or erectile dysfunction, then that can show up in masturbation as well. And sometimes people feel guilty or shame for masturbating or how they masturbate or what gets them off. And so people can get stuck in their heads around all sorts of things. 
solo or in shared experiences. And I think that exploring embodiment with masturbation is so important, whether or not you get stuck in your head in solo experiences, it's a really good arena for you to practice all the skills that are going to be useful for you to be more embodied, whether you're by yourself or or with somebody else. And so something that I recommend doing is thinking about the setting that you're in and your own mindset. So as I mentioned earlier, sometimes you're in the role of being mom or dad, or you boss or worker or whatever else it is. And so taking some intentional time to transition out of those roles and into your own sensual embodied self. So I think part of that is creating sensory based experiences that are really pleasurable for yourself because pleasure awakens pleasure centers in the brain, any kind of pleasure and sensory based pleasure can lead to more sensual and sexual pleasure. So, uh, thinking about something that's going to look nice, adjusting the lighting, for example, sound nice, a playlist that makes you feel sexy, smells nice. Can you get some scents that you really like going in the room? Uh, Can you put something on or wrap yourself in something that's really soft and feels good? Really starting to create an environment that is different from the environment that you were in when you were just working for eight hours can be a really helpful ritual to allow yourself to get into a different state of being. And then I think another thing that's really important when people masturbate, most people spend the vast majority, if not all of the time that they're masturbating, focusing on their genitals. And mm. I think that it could be so useful to explore your entire body, both visually as well as tactily, and to experiment with more mindful masturbation. So really allowing the sensations in your body to inform what you want next and to feed the pleasure that you're experiencing rather than focusing maybe on your fantasies or porn or some kind of external stimuli. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I think that it's wonderful to have a lot of sources of erotic material. And and there's wonderful porn and erotica out there. And fantasizing is something that's really beneficial. And I talk and teach a lot about. And also, I just want folks to be able to draw from their own body their erotic desire and turn on. So if that's difficult for you, if you're not used to masturbating, by focusing on the sensations in your body or used to porn, for example, then I think experimenting with titrating between the two can be really useful. So what I mean by that is watch the porn that gets you off, get yourself aroused, and then pause the porn and see if you can continue to masturbate by just focusing on the sensations that you're feeling. And if you start to lose your turn on, You can go back to the porn for a little bit, but then pause it, go back to the sensations that you're feeling. And over time, see if you can build your capacity to be with the sensations longer and maybe not need the porn for some of your masturbation experiences so that you're increasing your ability to really allow the sensations that you're feeling to be what feeds your turn on and gets you off. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that's a really helpful activity because 
some people might just think, oh, I need this. I need the porn. I can't. But if you could actually, you know, do that and experience it without the porn and enjoyment, you're teaching yourself something. That's right. That's right. And in order to be a good lover, it's important to know what you like and to know what gets you off, to be confident that you can help show your lover how to pleasure you. We can be generous lovers, not only by giving pleasure, but by helping our lovers pleasure us. So I'd like to ask ask a question about, there are a lot of people out there who believe that you should not masturbate, or that's like taking away from the time with your partner. What do you have to say about people that have that particular opinion? Well, I think it's helpful to feed your erotic desire, to connect with your erotic self, to allow yourself to have that energy be flowing in your body. And so masturbation, it can be really useful. Now, if you're masturbating a lot and that's taking away from your sex drive and so you're not as available for intimacy with your partner that might be something to explore but i often find that it's the opposite case particularly for people with vulvas where if they're not exploring self-pleasure at all it actually turns down their libido rather than in making it making them less available for their partners because they're masturbating so much If they're not exploring their pleasure, they're just less connected with their libido overall. Yeah, I totally see that too. And I think part of the problem is too, you know, number one, you're not thinking about it. And number two, you know, here's some people talk about this too, how, you know, actually touching down into your genitals can increase blood flow to that area. Well, if you're number one, not thinking about it, you're not touching yourself there, you're not increasing blood flow. Those are all going to be negative feedback things. You know, it's just just not going to, not going to flow, like you said, for when you actually are doing that and pleasuring yourself alone and with your partner. That's right. And you also point to something that's really important to think about, which is that if when you are having a sexual encounter with another person, there's not enough warm up, there's not enough foreplay and massage and stimulation of your genitals before penetration happens then your body's not actually really ready for penetration or for Mm -hmm. that level of intensity. And being in your head is a reaction to your body not being a safe or comfortable or pleasurable place to be. And so oftentimes, if you're stuck in your head, it's important to check in. Am I enjoying this? Am I ready for this? Is there something that would make this feel a little bit better or more nourishing for me? change in position or intensity or location or slowing it down or anything like that. And to feel entitled to be able to share that with your lover and not just be a passive recipient to the unfolding, but to actually feel like you can co-create it. Oh yeah, absolutely. If if you're moving forward when you aren't really feeling it, that's only going to take away from everything you're doing Hmm. and you're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to find that pleasure because you've already got that roadblock there. That's right. And if you're enduring something that you're not wanting or that doesn't feel good, you're definitely going to get stuck in your head. And the long-term consequence of that is that it's very natural to build resentment towards sex or towards your partner because it's really a miserable experience. Yeah. Yeah. And then those memories are going to get stuck in your head, right? (laughs) That's right. And in your body. 
and your body right. is going to start to want to turn away from sex. Right. I mean, I just see like that is a thing that happens to a lot of people. I feel like is, you know, whenever I hear things of people saying or women, there seems a lot more women seem to say, well, I don't really like sex. I don't need sex. I don't want to do it. To me, it's like, then they're really missing a huge piece of something because everybody wants orgasms. And if they don't want them, there's either some trauma or there's something in there because who would say no to an orgasm? Well, I think that there are folks out there who identify as asexual and that's not well, something true. that they're interested in. But you're true. right. I do think that there are a lot of people out there for whom it feels out of reach or they just mm-hmm. haven't had enough or any of those kinds of rewarding or pleasurable or empowering experiences. And it just feels fraught with difficulty and challenge. And as you said, trauma or regret or just disappointment. And so figuring out how to unpack that and actually make it so that sex can be for you on your terms. If you're having sex for your partner because you feel obligated or you feel guilty or, or, your responsibility, then sex isn't for you. It's not something that your body is actually really consenting to or participating in. And so of course it's going to be a heady experience and it's going to be something that you're dreading or not wanting or feeling like you just want to get over with. Yeah. What a sad place to be. I mean, it's supposed to be something that's enjoyable, pleasurable, relational, and just that's a really sad place to be. It's sad, but it's also so common. So common. I work with so many couples that are navigating those dynamics. It's it's something that develops in long-term relationships where there's an expectation that we're supposed to maintain sexual intimacy, but there's not the skill set to figure out how to do that in a way that feels good. And the reality is, is that intimacy is a skill. Like any skill, we get better at it with proper instruction and practice. But unlike most skills, we don't have access to that. It's so powerful to be in this particular time because we actually are starting to have resources like sex positive workshops and courses and coaches, (laughs) even TV shows and all of these things that have been really normalizing the challenges that people are facing and helping people realize that there are folks out there that can help create differences, real tangible differences in your ability to have intimacy. That's a good point. I mean, really, you know, it's just, it is sort of exploding. I mean, you you go on Instagram, you see all these coaches and it's a great thing because, yeah, I feel like it just, it's not been in the limelight. It's been like this hidden thing and, you know, people are suffering and there's no way to get help. And people even have like the wrong opinion of like sex and intimacy coaches often. Well, and I think the reality is that, you know, just like there are so many different kinds of therapists out there, there are so many different kinds of coaches out there. And I often fantasize about there being kind of a general practitioner for mental and emotional well-being where you can go to them and they'd say, this is, I think, the kind of therapy or kind of coaching that would be so supportive of you because without that, People are often fumbling around, whether it's coaching or therapy. And I know for me, for so much of my life, when I was exploring therapy, whether or not it was successful was just kind of random based on if I happened to find somebody that happened to be practicing a modality that would have been beneficial for me because I didn't know enough about therapy at that point in my life to know that there were different modalities and which modalities Mm. would work best for me. And so 
think that the challenge out there is finding somebody that works well for you. Finding a good coach or therapist is finding, it's like finding a good partner. It's like dating. Some people you're going to have good chemistry with and some people you're not. And I also think that it's important to find somebody whose modality you resonate with. And when I'm working with folks, I practice a lot of experiential, tangible skill building, but I also do a lot of deep work around unpacking the obstacles and barriers that can make it difficult for people to actually implement those skills. And so I offer a really well-rounded approach. And I think that that's something that resonates with a lot of people. And so definitely asking these questions of folks that you're thinking about working with around how do you support me and what's your methodology and an approach and really doing your homework so that you can discern whether or not you feel comfortable with somebody and then giving it a, oftentimes requires giving it a try and, and seeing if it's a good fit. Makes a lot of sense. It's kind of like, you know, shoe shopping or looking for clothes just because it's the same size in one brand doesn't mean it's going to fit you. You know, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and, like- and exploring what education and the trainings that people have and their skill set is also, I think, useful. Yeah. So I noticed that you have quite a few workshops and courses and retreats that you have created. What what are some of your favorite ones that you've done? Well, I have a two-month master course called Sexual and Emotional Intimacy Skills, which is actually also a course that I teach at Stanford University. And I love offering this both in and out of academia because it's so powerful to get to do a deep dive with people and to support them over a period of time and to also have a large cohort of people who are taking the course to be able to learn from their experiences and so normalizing when you hear so many people who are having challenges that are similar to yours. And it's also really eye-opening and helpful for being able to be more empathetic and relate to more people when you can hear about people who are having experiences that are different from yours. And I just really enjoy getting to know students and participants and getting to develop a relationship with them over a period of time. It's really, there's so many different ways that we can create intimacy. It's not just romantic intimacy. We can have platonic (laughs) intimacy and intimacy with coworkers and family members. And in this course, we get to develop intimacy with each other. And there's a real sweetness in that. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, and if you think about it, if you're seeing other peers that maybe are going through similar things, it's less isolating and you might see other people are like you, or it might actually help you not judge your partner by saying, you know, oh, you know, if your partner were happen to be judging you saying you're not normal or there's something wrong with you or you're not, you know, you know, it just would give more understanding and less judgment, I would imagine. That's right. And if you're a single person taking the course, it's really helpful because there's so many different people for you. And oftentimes, actually, when couples take the course as well, they choose to do exercises and discussion groups with other people rather than only with themselves so that they can learn from different people and practice with different people. And if you're an individual taking the course, it's really helpful to be able to have other people to practice intimacy skills with. It's experiential. We cannot learn and master intimacy just from books and podcasts. Unfortunately, I wish that was the case. We actually (laughs) really need to have lived experiences of trying it out and getting feedback and, and learning that way. What do you think is one of the most damaging ways 
or ideas that people have when they are stuck inside their head going into a sexual experience? I think the biggest shame scripts that people run are not enough or too much or some combination of the two. And so ways in which people feel like they are not enough uh, for their partner, that they don't look how they should look, that they aren't capable in the ways that they should be capable, or that they're too much, that they're going to be too exposed or too messy or too unrestrained. And I think that part of what's so important is to really address body shame, address performance anxiety, um, explore ways that we can be more kind and empathetic and compassionate to ourselves and to really develop a relationship with ourselves where we can feel good in our bodies, where our bodies are a safe and pleasant place for us to be is so important. And I think that's some of the work that you can do when you're not having a sexual encounter that can really pave the way for you to feel like you can show up empowered in those sexual encounters. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So one question I thought of as you were talking How much does self-confidence play in the role of getting out of your head when you are being intimate with a partner? You know, I think confidence is important in that what we need to be able to do, I think, to create intimacy is to be able to have self-awareness and to be able to self-express. And the courage and the confidence that we need to self-express is valuable. And that's different than just knowing what you want and knowing what would feel good. It's actually being able to share that and bring bring your partner in on that experience. And so things like feeling like you can reveal authentic enjoyment, feeling confident in your body so that you can let yourself receive pleasure and uh, not be worrying about them, but actually just allow your body to express pleasure however it's authentically going to express pleasure. And also, I think that confidence to be able to redirect touch that doesn't feel good or de-escalate something that's moving too fast or actually even to be able to complete and say you're done when you feel full so that you're not enduring something that's not working for you. Like All of those are skills, but being able to implement those skills requires some confidence as well as unpacking maybe other obstacles that might make you feel not entitled to do that or otherwise unsafe or just held back from being able to do that. So in saying that, what do you say to a couple? Like say they're being intimate or before they're intimate and they're talking about something and one partner shames the other one or says something negative where it makes the other one clam up. And then what do you say to them? What can they do? Well, I think the first thing to do is to name the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. Noticing I'm feeling a little uncomfortable right now. Or I'm noticing I need a shift. Or I'm noticing it's hard for me to be in my body. Or if your partner is the one that's gotten tense or clammed up, and you've noticed that, you can attune and name that. How is this feeling for you? I'm I'm wondering if maybe you're needing a shift right now. Mm -hmm. And checking in. 
And normalizing having these little checking conversations can be really useful. And sometimes in those moments, it's doing something that is more sensual, meaning focusing on more erotic, sensual feelings that are happening on the body. So big caresses or massaging or sometimes light feather touches by allowing for some kind of soothing touch and also reassuring that it's okay, that you don't have to feel bad for being tense right now. That's just going to add another layer unnecessarily to this dynamic that's not going to feel good. Instead, can we just say, oh, okay, you're feeling tense right now. Let's explore together what would help you feel more relaxed in the moment. Is there a redirection or or calibration that might be helpful? Or is there a way that we can shift into something else altogether that would be more enjoyable? And I think part of it too is not making them have to have all the answers. Because particularly, I think if somebody is stuck in their head in kind of like a more collapsed, frozen kind of way, it's like a deer in the headlights experience. And if somebody's like, well, what do you want? What would feel good? And I don't have the answers. It can actually make, it can exasperate the shame and make it feel more intense. And so sometimes it's, that let's explore together mentality that can be so helpful. And one game that I like to offer my clients is something called the this or that game, which is essentially a way of offering different kinds of touch and asking your partner which one they like better. And what's so useful about a game like this is in order to evaluate two different kinds of touch, you have to get into your body. And to notice which one you prefer better. And so it's a wonderful, wonderful tool for helping people get out of their head and also to open up lines of communication and to normalize that it's okay to say, yes, this, not that. And and so I think that having tools in your toolkit like that can be so helpful so that you don't have to have the answers in a moment when you feel stuck. I really like that. And I, and I think that the checking in and that it can only serve to pull you into the moment and out of your head. I mean, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I heard someone describe intimacy as a dance. Do you agree with that sentence? And how so? I think of attunement as a dance and attunement is definitely an integral part of intimacy. Attunement is that ability to be in your body, notice what's happening for you, but also to be able to to use your intuition, to be able to sense where the other person is at and to be able to adjust and calibrate accordingly. And that is definitely a dance. Attuning to somebody else is a dance. And oftentimes sexual intimacy can feel like a dance because sometimes you're escalating, sometimes you're de-escalating. Flirting can often feel like a dance in that regard. It's not just straight linear. It's a little bit of up and a little bit of down, a little bit more up and, you know, and that can have very much a dance-like feeling to it. With regards to intimacy, I feel like intimacy is a little bit more encompassing than that. Intimacy refers to this experience of mutual shared vulnerability. It can happen on an emotional level, that experience of feeling known and understood and uh, comfortable fully sharing and expressing and feeling like you know and understand the other. That's emotional intimacy. 
physical intimacy is that feeling of comfort being physically close to somebody. You might share physical affection with close friends or family members. It's not just reserved for your romantic relationships. It's that experience of feeling comfortable snuggling or holding hands or going in for a hug or offering a kiss. Um, And then sexual intimacy is that feeling of being known and comfortable engaging erotically and sexually and exploring together and having that sense of being able to attune and connect and unfold together sexually, right? That's sexual intimacy. And these different kinds of intimacy can reinforce and support one another and sometimes may feel like a dance, but sometimes just feels like a resting in that deep sense of knowing and belonging that happens when you have that shared sense of vulnerability and the secure attachment that can come from that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's definitely a challenge for many people, but those are great tips. I think they'll really will help people if they focus on that, you know, reframe your brain to think about it that way. If you, if you aren't, it can only help. Yeah, that's right. So how, how does someone live sexually empowered? Like what can they do? What can, they feel like they're not there. What's one thing they could do to try and get closer to that? I think sexual empowerment is knowing is, well, first of all, it's feeling fully entitled to say no. If you don't feel entitled to say no, then your yes is meaningless. In other words, if you don't have full access to your no, you don't really have full access to your yes. Mm -hmm. And so learning how to say no, feeling confident, comfortable saying no is key. Next is being able to know what you want to being able to explore yourself and to have that sense of self-awareness and then to be able to express yourself and ask for what you want is, is important to be able to say not only no to that, but yes to this and to be able to co-create your experiences. And then I think finally, sexual empowerment is also about engaging and supporting our lovers and partners to be empowered. So making sure that they feel comfortable to say no to us and that they feel comfortable to explore with us and share what they like. Absolutely. And if they're not there, they've got work to do, right? If they can't do those types of things, they have work on their own to do first. Right. And there are ways that you can explore, help them explore what they like. I think that Something like the This or That Game, for example. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've got a whole host of tools and resources and exercises that can help partners discover what they like and what they want. Because the reality is, is that a lot of people aren't necessarily that in touch with their own desires. And I think this is particularly true for people that have been socialized to be women, because we've been Mm -hmm. fed this narrative that when you meet Mr. Right, he's just going to know what you like and sweep you (laughs) off your feet. And you're going to have this magical, insane chemistry and sex. And also because, you know, masturbation is not really taught to women or to girls and not, if it is mentioned, it's not really taught well. And, and so I think that for a lot of people who've been socialized to be women, they explore their body later in life and they know less about what they like. And that's, that's normal. That's true. And unfortunately that is our culture. One way that I think that people really need to explore their bodies is through sex toys. Now, are you a sex toy proponent? I love sex toys. Yeah, I think that they can really serve a wonderful tool, pun intended, 
<laughs> but they're yeah, they're really useful and also can be something that can be challenging, I think, for couples to figure out how to integrate into their sex life in a way that feels good. And that's something that I support folks with because I think they can be such a helpful resource and also they can be intimidating to folks. And so, and and the whole sex toy industry, I mean, wow, it is daunting to figure out where to start for a lot of (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know. I was chatting with a friend on Twitter and then she was saying that she was like, what are some guidelines to try and figure out what to buy? Because there are so many products, which is great. I think that it's great that the sex toy market is booming. But yeah, she was right. It's like, it's kind of hard to know. And the other hard part is you don't really know, especially when you're new to it, you know, spend a bunch of money, try to figure out which ones work for you because everybody's body is so different. That's right. I created a whole workshop called the joys of sex toys to go over mm-hmm. this, to introduce people to the different kinds of sex toys and also safety regulations because the sex toy industry is not well-regulated and there are a lot of sex toys out there, especially on the more inexpensive end that can be dangerous to use and hard to clean and therefore bacteria can grow. And so learning sex toy safety is also important. As if you go to turnon.love slash workshops, you can find all of my on-demand offerings and you can get both get out of your head in bed as well as how to eat pussy like a champ and almost 20 other workshops on demand as well. Oh, that is awesome. You have quite the amount of things you offer. What a a great service you're doing to the world. I love teaching passion of mine. It helps me really feel alive. And, you know, I think that I fumbled with intimacy. This was not something that I just was born naturally adept with. It's not something that was modeled for me growing up. I really had to struggle and learn through a lot of trial and error and then a lot of my own personal growth work and therapy and then my own trainings and experiential learnings and coaching and therapy trainings and all of that. It has been such a mountain to climb to be able to both feel competent, being able to create intimacy in my life, and then to be able to feel capable to teach and support others. And so I think that whenever you have to learn something like this, you really see the water that people are swimming in. You get good at being able to break it down and make it accessible. And there's something about doing that is really healing for me. And it's helpful to take the struggles that I've had and be able to help uplift others as a result of them. That makes a lot of sense. And that's so valuable. I mean, just to have it gone through it yourself gives you such a perspective in trying to help others. I mean, in being successful in that. Yeah, it helps me relate and empathize and support my clients. If I have always been an embodied human, then A, I'm not going to be really as adept in being able to teach people how to get embodied, but also I can't empathize with the struggles of how hard it is. And I also can't template and model for clients that it's possible. It's possible to go from being deeply disembodied to being able to really inhabit your body. And I think it's important to name that there, it's not just, folks who have heady cognitive jobs or or really are struggling with, with work that get stuck in their head. I think people who have chronic pain, which I've struggled with my whole life, survivors of abuse, 
mm-hmm. folks who are experiencing gender dysphoria or intense body shame for whatever reason, if your body is not a pleasant or safe place to be, it's a very wise and understandable protection strategy to develop of not being in your body and really living in your head. And there's so many people, myself included, for whom this is just the way of life until we're exposed to a different way and taught how to get there. Do you think that being stuck in your head is different than when people use the phrase, they put up walls? Yes, I think putting up walls is about not being willing or maybe being able to be vulnerable. And it's about closing your inner world off and being unwilling to reveal it to somebody else. So you can be stuck in your head and also put up walls. Or you can be stuck Hmm. in your head and be deeply vulnerable about it. That makes sense. So how would someone go about taking down their walls if they feel, I mean, I think people put up walls because they feel vulnerable and unsafe, right? I mean, you think that's why they put up walls? Yes. People put up walls because they feel either ashamed, right? The natural response to shame is to hide the material that we're feeling ashamed about because Mm -hmm. shame is a fear of rejection. And so I don't want to reveal anything I'm feeling ashamed about because I don't want anybody to reject me as, as a result of it. And so Mm -hmm. that's going to be a reason that people put up walls or I don't trust I've been hurt before Mm -hmm. and I'm worried about being hurt again. And so I'm going to put up a wall so that I'm not vulnerable to pain or to being taken advantage of, or to being, Uh, The risk of being exposed feels too great because people have taken advantage of that. Right. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of work that needs to be done there. But you've given us some great ideas and tips and all these wonderful classes. (laughs) You have a lot of good things to say. I'm excited that I know about what you do and know about your website. And it's just, it's so important. We, We all need something, right, to make it better. Nobody's perfect. That's right. And and we cannot do this alone because intimacy is a shared experience. You cannot master intimacy by yourself. And this whole notion that we've been forced fed that you have to love yourself before anybody else will love you is not true. And I just want to deconstruct that because I think it's been used to like self-flagulate people for, for so mm. many years around their, sure. like I'm to blame for other people, not loving me. And there, I mean, there is some truth to that, right? We do need to develop a healthy relationship with ourselves. That's so vital and important, but also we know that we're worthy of love because we've experienced love. People who have, have been deprived of healthy love experiences. I'm talking about like early childhood trauma and Mm. stuff like that. They're never going to, it's going to be very difficult to believe that you're worthy of love if you don't have formative experiences of being shown that you are deserving of love. When we're exploring this concept of self-love and when we're exploring being able to create healthy intimacy, we can't really create healthy intimacy fully on our own because intimacy is a shared co-created experience. And so when it's coming, when we're thinking about love and intimacy, you know, we want to come to the table with a healthy relationship with ourselves, with deep self-awareness 
and with uh, work towards self-acceptance and to be able to teach other people about who we are and how to love us well. That's really important for healthy love and healthy intimacy. But I also want folks to know that if you're having a hard time with that and you've had a lot of experiences of not receiving healthy love, it makes sense that it would be hard to have a relationship where you feel healthy love towards yourself, right? Humans are interdependent beings. We need to know that we're worthy of love. We need to have formative experiences of being shown unconditional love. And that's where trauma work comes in. That's where supportive coaching and therapy comes in because this isn't something that you can navigate on your own. And if you've had these painful missing experiences of being shown and templated healthy love, then you need to get that elsewhere. And that's, and that's what intimacy coaching and sex therapy and relationship work is all about. It's about helping get those formative experiences and those tools so that we can start to implement them in our day-to-day world. So what's it like teaching at Stanford? Is that pretty damn cool or what? Yes, I love it. I used to be a grad student there. That's where I got my PhD from. And it's so wonderful to get to be back in an academic environment every once in a while, a couple times a year. It's really, I'm a, I'm a nerd. I spent most of my life in school. I enjoy being in that kind of environment. But I also knew that staying in academia wasn't for me because I really wanted to reach the masses and I wanted to be able mm. to impact a large number of people who maybe are older than college age or grad school age or don't have the same socioeconomic status or whatever else it may be to to access that kind of material. I really wanted to make it as accessible as possible. And that's, that's important to me, but it's such a treat to get to dive in, in that kind of environment where folks are so engaged with the learning process and so hungry and ready for this kind of information. That makes a lot of sense. So you, yeah, you kind of like have your, your multifaceted, you have yourself in different ways and it satisfies what you want. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So what kind of classes do you teach at Stanford? Are they like mostly psychological classes or I think I read something sexual and emotional intimacy. They actually teach that at a college? Yes. The wellness education (laughs) program at Stanford is really wonderful and progressive. And it's such an honor and delight to be a part of that program. I mean, they teach all sorts of classes, not just on sexual and relational health, but around financing and healthy sleep patterns and how to engage in, um, oh God, habit change. And I mean, the list of courses that they have is amazing and so important to realize that education isn't just about what your degree is dictating is important for you to learn. It's about these life skills that really allow us to thrive. And I just find it so inspiring that Stanford has prioritized that in this otherwise kind of competitive academic environment. Well, good for them. I wish more universities to that. <laughs> yes, that me too. Really, 
<laughs> would be very helpful. I think if that was more, more universities were like that. I mean, and, seriously. And it's starting to pop up a little bit more and more, which is so wonderful to, to see. And, and yes, I think that the scale needs to be amplified tremendously because this is, this is really the kind of information that impacts somebody's quality of life. And I think that for me, oh, yeah. that's what's most important is teaching things that don't just, um, impact somebody's academic success or career success, but really reaches across all of the different ways that we want to succeed and thrive in life. And I think relational relational success impacts us in every area of our life. Oh, absolutely. I'm so delighted to be offering sexual and emotional intimacy skills, my master course in January live. I also offer it on demand throughout the year, but if you want to take it with that large cohort of other folks to be able to practice intimacy, intimacy skills with them, that's going to begin in January. And you can sign up on my website. If you go to turnon.love slash intimacy, you can read all about the class. And there are eight different courses or eight different classes that are included in the course. And I go over skills for getting out of your head in bed and maximizing pleasure like we talked about today but also I talk about boundaries and embodiment and how to care for your nervous system and how to develop more emotional intimacy including skills like vulnerability and empathy and how to give heartfelt affirmations and offer assurances that are meaningful I talk a lot about flirting and seduction and as well as these skills for maximizing pleasure we talk about fantasies and erotica and how to unpack shame. And then I also talk about conflict and how to repair ruptures in relationships, which is so important because if you're too afraid of conflict and you don't know how to navigate conflict, that's going to increase those walls like we talked about earlier, because it's not going to feel safe to be vulnerable because the risk of conflict is going to feel too scary. So knowing that you feel adept at being able to heal ruptures in relationships is so important. And then I also talk about how to pick partners and how to end relationships. And, and as I said, this class is available for folks who are single or partnered as well as monogamous or non-monogamous. But even if you're in a partnered monogamous relationship, I think that this class is really useful because all the time we're picking partners and ending relationships, whether they're romantic or not. If you're thinking about who you want to collaborate with a work project, if you're looking for a new friend or to deepen a relationship, or you've noticed that you need to transition out of a relationship, the reality is, is that we don't have good skills for coping with grief, and we don't know how to end relationships in ways that feel healthy. And relationships of all kinds are going through that life cycle that I mentioned. And so knowing how to navigate that life cycle gracefully and intentionally can be deeply supportive. Absolutely. Yeah. You touched on a lot of really important things in there and it's just things that will be really useful to people. And, you know, yeah, I think too, you know, we're not taught these things. We're not taught really how to fix ruptures and how to continue on even when the damage has been done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I very, think very that medium. we can, you know, part of feeling sexually empowered is acknowledging the ways that you may have been disempowered and disempowerment doesn't just come from experiencing disempowering situations imposed upon us. It can come from not having the skill set that you want to be able to have the kinds of dynamics and relationships that you are seeking and wanting. But if you've been having experiences of feeling disempowered sexually, 
feeling sexually empowered comes in part from having those experiences that didn't feel great, where maybe you felt disempowered to have it be created or co-created or unfold in the way that would feel good for you. Or maybe you felt too disempowered to advocate for yourself or to know what you would have advocated for, even if you felt the courage to do that. And so being sexually empowered is happens when you can acknowledge the ways that you feel disempowered and then take the steps to learn the skills that you need to be able to create different experiences and to be with the vulnerability of that process, the humility and the take so much courage to notice that you're not able to do something, to hang out in that phase of the knowing that you want to be able to do something different, but not quite yet having the capacity to do so. And then the courage that it takes to try something different. And that's what creates a feeling of being able to be sexually empowered. And so I just really want to de-shamify the experiences of folks out there who are feeling like they're not having the kinds of intimacy that they want. You're not alone. That's normal. That's actually the momentum that society pushes people towards. So that's okay that that's what you're experiencing. And also to be that fire underneath you that's going to incentivize you to do something about it and to reach out to me or to somebody else. There's so many wonderful people out there that can support you in being able to learn these skills so that you can start to actually be able to have the experiences and the relationships that will feel nourishing and empowering and supportive. Well, I thank you for putting all of your content out there so that you can help so many people. There's so Mm -hmm. many ways you can help people with what you've created. And that's just fantastic. And Everyone can find your links down in the podcast notes for turnon.love. And that's capital T, lowercase U-R-N, capital O, capital N, dot L-O-V-E to find all of Dr. Allison Ash, Dr. Allie's content. And I want to thank you so much. You've shared amazing things and I'm really excited to share this with the world. And thank you, thank you, thank you for everything you do. And thank you. Thank you for creating this amazing podcast and this really valuable platform and for everything that you're doing to help create this kind of change that we need societally, where folks can feel more empowered and have access to these skills. And you have just so many wonderful people on your podcast. And I really see all of the labor that it takes. And I also acknowledge all of the unseen labor that goes into making this episode available to your audience. And not just that, but every episode that you've done. And it's just such a service. So thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's definitely a labor of love. It seems like, you know, people might not realize how much work it is, but <laughs> it is work, but it's it's great. And I love that I can do it. I love that I can have people like you on uh, to share with the world. It's just, just fantastic. It was so great to meet you. And I hope that we can stay in touch and maybe I can come back on your show again sometime in the future, because this is such a, a wonderful conversation and just I'm leaving feeling really juiced and nourished. Awesome. I love that. And you are welcome back anytime, anytime and every time. Oh, thanks <laughs> I so much. Last two. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're 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 amazing. Take good care. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. I hope you learned 
an amazing amount of info, stuff that will help you in your life and your relationship from Dr. Allie. Remember, www.capitalt.love. Turn on love to get her content and more of her and to connect with her down in the podcast notes. Don't forget to check out the Smash Words sale, which goes through January 1st, 2023, where many of my books are free. You can get them for free. And my Decadent Erotica 10 Story in an Anthology is 75% off. Please download my books, read them, enjoy them, get off. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. And leave me a review. It'll really help me out. Reviews really help an author. And that would be just huge for me. So Merry Christmas to you, all of these amazing books. And there's so many books. It's a ginormous sale. Check it out. And I will put my link down in the podcast notes as well, where you can find out my other books that are now live. I just had Skinny Dipping in the Pond on a hot summer day go live in audiobook. And so many more audiobooks coming out. I have some on Spotify. Did you know you can get my books on some of my books on right on Spotify now, which is totally awesome. Naughty Santa gives an erotic gift is there. The Licking Sip Coffee Shop audiobook. The Oral King is coming there soon. And but the Oral King is available on Kobo and Walmart and a few other places, I forget. And then also just go to Spotify and you can find Kinky Games at Home, the Adult Sex Fort. How fun is that? Make your own little sex fort in your living room. Also on Spotify, I want to tell you I have a bunch of playlists that are public. So you could get all of my podcast episodes by topic. I've got all, I've got one playlist of all the places I've been interviewed, alternative lifestyles, erotic audiobooks narrated by Ruin, BDSM, stories and tips, Ruin's erotica, have better sex, threesome stories, the sexual bucket list by Ruin Willow, erotica excerpts and author interviews. So all of those are just like, are all organized. And I mean, I have so many author, erotica author interviews. If you're into that, when I go into this playlist, it says 52 hours and 43 minutes. That's a lot of content. So go there, check it out. They're all organized for you. I hope you're having an amazing holiday season. And I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Please follow my podcast. If you enjoy what I'm doing, give me a rating and a review. I would love to hear your thoughts. And it really helps me grow when I do get reviews on the podcast. So please do that if you are able to. It really makes a big difference. Okay, don't forget to enjoy your body. Don't forget to fuck your partner. <laughs> I hope you can. Fuck your partner. Fuck yourself. Have fun. Don't forget to come enjoy your body and get some stress relief because it's so important and it's so healthy. Oh, fuck yeah. You have an amazing, sexy fucking day. Love ya. Bye-bye. Ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning to get yourself ready for sexy times.
heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going there. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.